All right. Peace and love. I am Samut, also known as Mama Yoga, and welcome to another fabulous episode of the Mind, Body, Energy, and Balance podcast. <laughs> Wait a minute. We had a pre-team, uh, pre-meeting, uh, pre-recording meeting, <laughs> and I'm like, I want the claps. And then when the claps is going on, I'm like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> reality podcasting y'all hashtag that Mm -hmm. right okay so welcome to this episode of the mind body energy and balance podcast i'm your host samut also known as mama yoga and uh in the window box on the other side is my fabulous producer and co-host uh flaw 700 what's up flaw hey what's going on what's going on everybody Hey, hey, thank you all so much for tuning in to our show, commenting, liking on um, following, leaving a review on Spotify. Um, You can also go to our YouTube page and, you know, follow, like and hit the notification bell for that as well. And of course, all the social media platforms, Mama Yoga Wellness, Podcast Brothers. Um, Is that your platform on um, the Podcast Brothers Network? Yeah, on uh, on IG? No, huh? uh, on IG, everybody's separate. So you got the Podcast oh. Brothers, you got your Mama Yoga Podcast, and you got right. uh, Bars and Shots Podcast. Everybody's separate. Yeah. Okay, okay. So just keep up with us how you can, because we got a lot of exciting stuff going. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, Speaking of exciting, I want to start our show, and we always start by giving praise and honor to our ancestors for the shoulders that we stand on, our ingenuity, our wisdom, our lineage, understanding of intelligence and greatness flows through us as we share this information here, and may the words and the message that we share and impart to you, be nourishing and supportive to your life's journey. Ashe? Ashe. Absolutely. Uh, Real quick, real quick. Um, Yeah. We want to say, um, of course, the United States is our biggest market, but we also want to say hello to our friends in the United Kingdom and Australia. They tune in to the Mind, Body, and Balance podcast. All right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that in the pre pre meeting. <laughs> That's what's up. Welcome, UK. We love our, you know, um UK family, especially those that are uh ancestrally Jamaican, Nigerian, Ghanaian, Zimbabwean over there in the UK. Hey y'all. Yep. Uh and you said Australia too? Yep, Australia. What? Come on here now. We love y'all too. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um so today's show, we usually like to do a recap, but not but, I guess we will do the recap. Um, last week we talked about, you know, black folk and this perspective of poverty, uh, spiritual communities, right? Our Afrocentric cultural communities and this perspective of poverty and of you know, like if like if you spiritual, your money situation need to be raggedy. You know, you have to, you know, get somebody to help you pay the light bill or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And we want to stand in position and space and say, 
we are not interested in that anymore. You know, the time for that is over. We need financial resources flowing freely, abundantly, uninterruptedly, continuously. We need the tributaries of our water, wealth, life to flow consistently, right? And so we stand in that. We talked about how the root chakra is uh, out of balance, which causes a lot of that incorrect perception about your spirituality and it being um, not only okay, but permissible for you to obtain wealth. You know, we talked about the heart chakra and how that heart energy is the magnetizing energy that we use in our LOA, that is law of attraction, that we use, um, you know, that attracts to us the things of our vibrational frequency, right? That heart chakra. So continuing on that discussion, wait, before we get to that, we were talking about the black folks in Twitter or something. Oh, there was. What uh, with that? Oh, there was just something. It was just a misunderstanding, and um, uh, so Elon Musk, when he purchased Twitter, mm-hmm. he laid off a few employees. We all know that more than a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the background, there were some, you know, gentlemen who are African American and possibly, you know, mixed with, you know, I don't know what they're mixed with, but um, they basically was creating another app in the background because they have the knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. Elon Musk just, you know, let people go. You know, you got to take, you know, what you learned and what you got and just apply it to starting mm-hmm. your own business. So Elon Musk, again, he, he created just like this Twitter limit, this cap limit. And, you know, the people were in the outrage. Me personally, mm-hmm. I was laughing because I'm just like, oh, so you guys got to get off social media now. huh? But other people were in the outrage that they couldn't sit on Twitter all day. Mm-hmm. And, and just, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And just that quickly, um, word got out that there's this new app called spill and then word got out that it was black owned so what did the black people do mm-hmm. everybody ran to spill and they were just so excited that they had mm-hmm. an app for their own for mm-hmm. them for them by them you know um you, you you couldn't do some of the things on spill that you can do on twitter twitter was just like a free speech platform at the time when Elon Musk took over like they were no longer watching what people were saying they were just letting people say anything mm-hmm. on spills it was allegedly for us by us and that just you know made people feel black people feel so good at the time one of mm-hmm. the owners caught wind of this and decided to make a video and say well that's not the mission of this app and we want oh. everybody to come over to spill Oh. And that kind of rubbed black people the wrong way, which typically, you know, when black people think that they have something, it gets taken. <laughs> Can't have nothing. It gets taken, it gets taken away. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know how Spill is doing at this moment, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it was it got brought up because I know we was talking about how, you know, you want to be black. Not, not saying these brothers are uplifting brothers and they're about mm-hmm. you know, their history, but they are black and they're trying to run a business. And you go, well, how do I run a business? Is it mm-hmm. profitable just for something to be all black? Yeah. Um, is it profitable for, you know, me to just um, disassociate ourselves with everyone else? Right. Maybe that was never our mission. 
But mm-hmm. is it the owners or the creators' fault for letting that message? I wouldn't even say it's their fault because as soon as he caught wind, he actually said, "No, this is not it." So well, I can't. Yeah, go ahead. I can't say that it's their energy because that has happened before, where people mm-hmm. will say this is for black and only black, and then they wind up selling it later on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was what he led with, but that mm-hmm. was just the energy from somewhere. That was the takeaway, yeah. right? So here's the thing. It is literally, you know, the world is built on serving only black people. Mm. Come on here now. Let's not be foolish. The music industry makes the majority of its money from hip hop Mm -hmm. serving black folk. Now, that doesn't mean that only black people buy hip hop because we know a large majority of hip hop is bought by suburban white youth. But you can niche, you can super serve a particular community, you know? And I think that when people say, oh, well, this is, you know, like the brother apparently said or allegedly said, you know, this is not, um, yes, we're black people, but this is not a black app. Yeah, basically. Or an app for black people. What they're doing is trying not to be pigeonholed. What they're doing is trying not to be, you know, um, really just um, localized to one particular segment of the population. Right. But he didn't have to say that. He could have (laughs) just let people feel how they feel and serve everybody. It's like when actors say, I'm not a black actor, but your skin is as chocolate as Idris Elba. What they're trying to do is not only be given the mediocre plate that is reserved for black folk. That's really what they're trying to do. But black consume, the black consumer is the most loyal consumer on the planet earth. The black woman is the largest consumer and the most loyal consumer on the planet earth. So they don't even understand their own people. When you say, well, you know, yeah, we black, but we ain't a, we ain't for black people. Or this is not an app for black. You don't understand. You didn't have to say nothing. Just serve people. Everybody going to come anyway. Because you know good and darn well. As soon as we're in something, onto something, here come everybody. Lord have mercy. I was on black people meet. And you can't imagine the white boys on black people meet. I'm like, is this, is this, the white boys in my DMs? I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I'm like so shocked. I don't know what you're going to title this episode. I'm clipping this one up right well, here. This is going to be on Instagram. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting no man. Like we said before, like we're going to get all the hate that we did before. Every man is fabulous. Okay. Everybody fabulous. Right. But I'm, don't get approached by European men. There is a very overarching, clear Afrocentric ancestral presence in my presentation. And European men do not shoot their shot. But on black people meet, the dang old message thing is I'm like, what is happening? Oh, black people, me. I was just so shocked. So I started saying, 
you know how you start to write something and then you delete it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, was about to respond. This one, you know, European gentleman was like, you know, I'm this, that, and the third, and I like this, and I like that. Um, you know, let's go out on a date or whatever. And my initial response was to type back, is this black people meet? Mm-hmm. Like, are you biracial? Like, what? I don't even understand. Why am I on black people meet meeting all these white dudes? It was weird. So I said all of that to say, not to put my whole, you know, uh, digital dating stuff out in these streets, but as soon as we create something, other people come in anyhow. So you don't have to say, this ain't for black people. Or I only serve black people. You don't have to say that. Here they come. They all coming. They trying to get in. White girls wearing dashikis and, you know, gay lays and head wraps. They coming. And I'm not standing in judgment of that, but I do. It's I. It's my right to observe it. It's all good. Do you, you know, do you. But as far as business is concerned, you know, there is a perspective that if it's black business is not done well, if it's black business, you only can get access to certain amounts of monetary resources, which is, you know, we understand the game is stacked, you know, but white folks come and they see what you got going on and, you know, they'll invest and end up, you know, owning through the exit or whatever. So we are, African Americans, foundational Black Americans, we are sensitive about our shit. (laughs) We are sensitive, honey, sensitive. So we have to serve each other, um, you know, and love on each other. And like I said, don't even put the label out there. Just serve the people, and whoever's coming will come. You know, Mm -hmm. but I get why they why they why they make that why he made that statement. It just was unnecessary and really short sighted. Right. Because we are the tastemakers. If we say it's the bomb diggity, then damn it, it's the bomb. Yeah. You know, if we say it's this, that if it's fab, we say it is on point, fabulous, then that's what it is. We're the tastemakers. So you don't need to, you know, slam your door shut that quick, thinking that you're going to get everybody else's whatever money. Cause they're going to come. If we there, they coming. Mm-hmm. And that's just the truth. But the poverty mindset around Afrocentrism and blackness, right. Um, that we, again, that right there, that whole example was an example of poverty mindset. It really is. Even though they may have put together and raised a certain amount of wealth, there's still a deficit thinking about a certain community in that type of statement. And we want to move beyond that. Right now I'm not an MBA and uh, you know uh, I'm not a captain of industry industry, you know, like uh, they would have you in Forbes or whatever, but I am a seasoned spiritualist and magic spirituality is what is the is the energy that moves the earth it's the energy that calls into manifestation what it is that you want the good and the love and the well-being that you want in your life and so my position is 
If you're spiritual, you need to use that over every aspect of your life. And specifically talking to the spiritually cultural community, the spiritual cultural community. It's a farce and a misunderstanding that because you're spiritual, you should not attain material success and material wealth. That's a misunderstanding. You know, that is a false piety, if you will. Right? How, you know, you have to shore up your four walls. You're on the earth. Unless you take a vow of poverty for a particular reason, a vow of poverty should not just be a foregone conclusion because you studying and meditating and praying every day and, you know, doing your kriyas, which is means yoga practice. That shouldn't be. And I have been adjacent to so-called white spiritual communities. That is yoga, kundalini communities. They had the same issue. The same issue that, you know, okay, I'm just meditating all day, every day. I'm meditating, meditating, and I see the vision, but we don't have food in the refrigerator. Oh, the earth will provide. What? Yeah, the earth will provide. You need to partner with the earth, partner with the energy, partner with the resources to bring it and land it into your refrigerator. It's the same thing. It is an overarching misunderstanding of spiritual connectedness and monetary success. Go ahead, Flo. I see you. Real quick, because once again, Mm -hmm. you put it in ways that, you know, I'm experiencing, but I don't, I didn't put it like that. For example, like my dating, Mm -hmm. my dating lifestyle. And you know, I do, you know, um, I try to help people with their finances, with life insurance and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the company name and it goes for me reaching out to people, Mm -hmm. people that I, don't know people I do know and I go hey I got something you know my whole you know spew I got it down to a T yep and most and the women right they give me the mm-hmm. most pushback because um not the most because I, I I guess I asked them the most mm-hmm. and it kind of they say like if they say no that's fine mm-hmm. but I know that this game that I have from them is is life changing. It's financially life changing. We talk about money, right? It's financially mm-hmm. life changing. They'll tell me no, and then a few things will follow. It's just like I thought you were going to ask me out, or I thought it was going to be something mm-hmm. about us hanging out. And in my mind, I go, "You just turned down a f- opportunity to make sure your family was financially stable, but right. you want to go out with me, right? But you don't have a plan if something was to, if you were to if your demise happened." Today or tomorrow, you don't have a plan and you leave your family in debt. Do you want to go mm-hmm. out with me? Mm-hmm. I don't understand like how you just said how you can do all this praying and stuff, but your refrigerator is empty. Yeah, you got to be able to do it all. You can't right. just say, hey, that's right. I know who we are. We are a poverty. We are a poverty. It's, it's, it's not a word, but we are a community in poverty. We all are. And we're working to try to get out of it. Even if you have a few dollars in your pocket, their surroundings are still in poverty. That's right. Like, what do you got going on that I don't know that right. you need to be talking to me? How can I be like you if you got it all figured out financially, right? Right. So I just, I, I just, that's what I came up with. Just like, hey, you're going to tell me no to even listening to what I got to say, but mm-hmm. you want to go out to do what? Right. To struggle. Right. To I don't, I don't right. get it. I don't get it. 
Well, that's that right there is so powerful what you're sharing, Flaw, because it's the other side. <laughs> it's the other side of the coin that I have experienced in certain, you know, Afrocentric communities. Don't y'all be sending me no dang on texts and emails. <laughs> I said it. I've experienced in certain Afrocentric communities where the brothers, some of the brothers, let me qualify what yeah. I'm saying. Some of the brothers are like, well, I don't really want a partner. I don't want a woman who could be a partner for me. And I'll be scratching my head. Like, what you mean you don't want a woman who could be a partner for you? No, no, no. I'm not looking for a partner. I'm just looking for, you know, a woman who, you know, keeps my home and, and you know, makes my food and is domestic in that way. I don't really need a partner in terms of managing our success. I got that all on my own. I just want her to manage, be domestic and manage the house. And that's a paradigm that was 20th century. That's a paradigm that was 1950s. That's a paradigm that in today's dynamic, especially amongst the Afrocentric community, uh, I think is a little flawed. If you um, are a man who has great financial resources and you want your wife, your mate to be, to take care of the domestic side of the family, she still can contribute to or still be a partner to you in a way that is a sounding, you know, you can get sound advice. You can have a reasonable discussion with her about the direction of the family resources and business and all of this. It's a lot of ways to partner. But what I heard several times, and not in regards to me, but just in general counseling people in relationships and all of that, is that there is a perspective, a flawed perspective, that the female weigh-in is not really valued. The female weigh-in is valued in the domestic dynamic, in a domestic arena. But as far as the finances and the, you know, the success, the financial success of our family, you don't contribute to that not in terms of your consciousness, not in terms of, in terms of your monetary thing. I don't really need your opinion about how we doing our money. And what I have come to understand is the most successful people in the world are couples who are partners in every aspect of their relationship as best they can. Not you just stay inside and vacuum and take care of the house. But listen, okay, we got to find XYZ solution for this aspect of our business. What's your thoughts on that? You know, or, you know, listen, let's talk about how we're going to invest, save our money together. What's our family budget plan to invest? Partnership is on various levels, but I find in the Afrocentric community and in this day and age where 
the younger generation of men, uh oh, <laughs> have a certain perspective about the relationship of a woman in their life. You know, you can't, you know, I like taking from these discussions about you being a simp if you show love and care and, you know, um, adoration of your woman. I don't even know what simp means. Did that mean simple? I don't, I don't use that. I'm not, I'm not a young man. That's not in my, well, I've never used that word in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, know I don't hang around people I, that use that word. I figured you might've been in touch with the lingo oh, no some way. kind of way, no a little way. more than me. Yeah. So anyway, whatever it means is stupid. How about yeah. that? <laughs> because if you don't understand the relationship of partnership and success, then you kind of just stream it. You, you, you um, swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. So staying home, saying within the context of our community and our cultural community, the winners are people who work together and appreciate each other's strengths and find a way to interconnect and interdepend on the strengths one to another of what's needed for the family's success. Those are the people that win. People who don't are others who try to subjugate and relegate somebody to a role that they can do, but that that is not all of their value. Those are the people that end up in divorce or end up in marriages that are really not fulfilling and happy for anybody. So the poverty mindset is further exacerbated and continued with those types of perspectives about family and relationship. You know, like I would have thought, you know, of course you're not a young, you ain't a young whippersnapper man flaw, but you know, you you are in that, that um, Gen Z, no Gen X. No, you're not even a Gen X. I don't even know what I am. I don't know. I think you are a millennial. Am I? Yep, a millennial. Yep, you're in the millennial. You don't know nothing about none of that stuff, huh? <laughs> millennium, millennium sounds 2000-ish. That's why it just throws me off because I've been told that before. But if I was born in 83, how are you? My okay, so that's really kind of 83. They, they say, okay, here we go with this, right? So they say that Gen Xers are born 65 to about 85. That's Gen Xers. Some people say 65 to 82 is the cutoff year, mm-hmm. right? But Gen Xers were the last generation <laughs> of what they would call feral kids. You know, you had a key. You was a latchkey kid. Your mama was at work. Your daddy was at home or at work or whatever. You go to school. You come in. You lock the door behind you. You make your own food. You was home by yourself like the last generation, you know, when you was you be outside till the street lights come on and all of those type of familiar memories that that, you know, most people had, you know, in that time period. But anyway, I'm thinking that you were at least are at least close to the generation who has this understanding. And because I know the work that you do in terms of the shows that you produce, that some of this chatter, some of this discussion may have come across your 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 uh, simp has keyboard. Simp hasn't been one. And also mm-hmm. just to touch on as far as a man wanting a woman to do X, Y and Z, I just find that hilarious. Because yes, men, most men will love to be providers, right? Because the mentality yep. is, you know, be a provider. 
Mm-hmm. But there's also aggravation when being that. You know, right. a lot. Nobody wants stress. to be yeah, stress, right? Mm-hmm. So when you put your wife or your girl in the position to have to ask you for everything because they're not working, right. um, you know, it becomes stressful because you don't have it all the time, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's a difference because I have kids. There's a difference between saying no because I don't have it and no because mm-hmm. well I just don't want to do it. That right. no, no, I don't <laughs> want to do it is just a more comfortable no. But when right. you say no, you know, I got on the start, two things happened to me for the start of my wealth journey mentally. Mm-hmm. It was one when um, somebody that I listened to musically said, a child is worth a million dollars a piece. And I say, mm-hmm. well, I don't have $4 million. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, riding around with my daughter, or what might have been mm-hmm. my son, one of the little kids, but they were young. Mm-hmm. It might have been my son, and he asked me for a Happy Meal. And once again, mm-hmm. it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. I couldn't. Mm. I'm working. Making mm. 20 something hour at my job. Yep. And I couldn't afford a $5 Happy Meal. Mm. I said, oh. So when I hear people say, I, like, bro, no, none of us have it all figured out. What right. careers, what jobs do these gentlemen have? Like you yeah. said, 1950, right? If you watch Married with Children, Ed Bundy was allowed to go work for and, and sell <laughs> shoes and still had that big house, and Peggy did nothing. You want right. that? You want that? Right. Can we, you see how miserable he was. Ted Bundy, right? He's miserable as hell. Let's just say, let's just say, Peggy. Let's just say your wife, you know, just doesn't want to go to the grocery store that day. She's not feeling good. You're you're so dumb. You're gonna open the refrigerator and say, "Hey, where's the juice? Where's right. the food? You so you so caveman mentality. You can't do right. nothing for self. It no, it doesn't work. Also, That's in right. 2023, what job do you have again, sir? Where you can do all the working and all the bills get paid flawlessly. That's right. What job do you guys have? This is so when you said that, I'm like, we're so dumb. Yeah. We are well, so dumb. Well, it's really it I think a lot of those conversations come from really a deep-seated place of fear. Because anytime you have to control someone, subjugate someone, you know, dictate and delegate what someone how they how they function is really a deep-seated um you know, a person needs some journey work, you know, and people, the the young men who are out here talking that way are really betraying and portraying the healing that they need. Because just because a person has a certain type of gender, if this is our family and the laundry has to get done, and we both are out here working and hustling and trying to be successful for our family, then whoever has the time needs to do the chore. It shouldn't be predicated on the genitalia I have. It should be predicated on who has, first of all, who is best at that. Because if, listen, if you don't know how to, and all our shit turn out pink, and you don't know how to wash clothes, well, baby, I got it. Cause mm-hmm. I can't wear, you know, this, you know, I got it. If you're cooking as a woman, don't nobody in the house want to eat and you want to retch. Everybody is retching and people in your family is losing weight because they can't yeah. eat what you cook. And the man knows how to cook, baby cook. It's about the partnership, not about ownership, dictatorship and subjugation. That is the era that I think, the younger generation is making, and that's an era of poverty. It's a poverty mindset. We working together, hand over fist, 
together, integrated and working together to bring about the success that we want for our family. And it's not 50-50 is unreasonable. Nothing is ever 50-50. Somebody is always giving more at one time or another. That is really how life works. The balance is 70-30. The balance is 60-40. The balance is 90-10 sometimes. Now, if it's 90-10 all the time, you got to think your dynamics, right? Because that's too skewed. But it's a give and take. And you have to know what you want in your life and understand the value uh, of those types of connections and relationships that you want in your life. You know, you just do. So again, the Afrocentric community, poverty, you know, the poverty mindset, we need to adjust that. And we do that not by harshness, not by aggression, not by, um, you know, functioning from a place of anger and hurt. We do that by adjusting and turning our energy inward and allowing the inward, not the in word, <laughs> but the inner, inner focus produce the outer focus. It all starts with a certain level of healing, perspective, and intention, right? It all starts. And I want to say this to that end. <laughs> we think that people who have earned a certain amount of money or have a certain amount of public shine have it all together. And really, they do not. Most people. First of all, running a business is a never-ending puzzle. That's what running a business is. It is a never-ending puzzle of you, excuse me, of you figuring out how to problems, how to solve this problem that done came on the table. It's a never-ending puzzle running a business. So even though a person may have the financial resources coming into the business, they could still have a poverty mindset. What would that be, Mama Yoga? Well, I don't need a team. I don't need a help. I don't need nobody to help me with this. I got this. Eventually, the money that you got coming in is, is going to be a problem. Eventually, the service, the customer service for that resource, those resources that you have coming in is going to be a problem. Eventually, you're not going to be able to steward and direct that money in a way that is abundant and prosperous and prolific, right? I don't need a team. I got this. I can't trust nobody else. I don't want to share this out in a way that is protective to me. That is a poverty mindset. It's a deficit mindset more so, mm -hmm. which then leads to a poverty mindset. Right. So I say that because recently my my intention and my prayer had been to um, to engage with uh, higher uh, level entrepreneurs. Put very, you know, plainly, I'm I'm getting in different rooms. Let's get in these different rooms, see what these people are doing. There's a certain energetic effect when you are in the different rooms at various levels, reaching up or what you perceive reach ups. And so <laughs> engaging with these people who have 
made quite a big success in areas that I want to make success in, you know, sharing their receipts and everything. They have the public shine. You still see that they got shit they got to correct. You still see like the customer service piece, the back end piece needs to be tightened up. You still see it. These people got millions of dollars coming in at them and they still have stuff. They still are showing that running a business is a never ending puzzle. Now the ones that end up having longevity, you figure all of that out. You figure out the systems that you need to create longevity for your, uh, your business, your operation, whatever. Right. But we think on certain levels, we think, oh, you must have it all together. No, (laughs) figuring it out. And I'm watching them have to figure it out. And cause I don't know how to say nothing, how not to say nothing. I will be like, well, no, you got to figure this part out right here. You know, because I didn't email your team like 25,000 times and I haven't gotten a response. Like, that's not what's up. You got to you got to figure that out because the monetary exchange. I am afforded a response. Hello. Right. And, you know. All right, Mama Yoga. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if I go to the get in the room and the door is shut. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's all right. It's a room up the street. You know what I told you was right. Get it together. You know? So deficit thinking leads to those types of things. And we scared of systems. Mom and pop businesses, man, we are scared of systems. That is not generally the forte of an, a solopreneur. But the system is what takes you from being a solopreneur to a decamillionaire. And if you're not generating $10 million, it's, it's for not, really. If that's not your first upper level goal is to generate $10 million in your offering as best you can. Right. You got to think like that, like huge. I know 10 million seem like a 100,000 is a lot, but you take that in bite size, do what you need to do to get to 10,000. Then you do what you need to do, do that 10,000 over 10 more times and adjust and tweak along the way. Now you got the 100,000. What'd you do to get to the 100,000? You do that 10 more times. That's a million, right? adjust and tweak along the way and you just keep going. But all of that is done with systems. I'm speaking from my own experience, having more than 30 years, almost 40 years now, 90, 91, 91 to now. I don't know how many years that is, but I'm sure it's 30 something. It's 30 something. Cause I'm 40 and I'm 83. Yeah. So about 30, 32. Yeah connected and being a part of you still doing the math we can't find a calculator to just do it <laughs> you like uh carry the one <laughs> no, so I think if you said 91 yeah that does, that's 32 
Yeah, 32 years, you know, uh, uh, not just adjacent, but full on feed into African spiritual culture, uh, the Afrocentric community, cultural community connections, love all of them. That is my very fiber in being. That's what when I walk, that's what people see, you know. Got to get the systems together. Deficit, that's deficit thinking. That then takes you to mindset. I mean, to poverty mindset. Got to get the systems together. And so that's the journey that I'm embarking upon. And that's why my message is primarily, mostly, particularly to the uh, culturally minded entrepreneur. You got it. You got it. The, The gift, the service. The product has been divined and given to you in the three-dimensional from your ancestors and from the heavens. Use your African ingenuity, centuries and centuries of creativity and, you know, engineering capacity to connect the pieces of the never-ending puzzle that is entrepreneurship and use your spirituality to do it. Use the principles of mantra and meditation and, you know, um, um, visualization and focus. Use those principles and then get into action. Don't be scared to act. The first level, actually, for many of us is to heal the fear for whatever reason, that's the first level is to heal, heal the fear of taking the steps, you know? So we want to move from the poverty. We just have to little by little, step by step, bite size by bite size. Flaw and I were talking earlier about growing the YouTube channel for Mind, Body, Energy, and Balance and growing the social media presence and just really growing the tribe, right, around this message, which can, you know, go in so many different directions because you need all of it, mind, body, energy, to be in balance for everything. If you want to go to school, If you want to start a business, if you want to attract a mate, all of it needs to line up the way it needs to line up. Lord have mercy. I'm checking my balance. Got all these Caucasian young men in my black people meet DMs. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Don't y'all be texting me and emailing me or commenting no crazy stuff. You know, everybody, everybody is fabulous, right? Right. So, <laughs> so um, yes, Lord, it's hot. So, growing the tribe is a slow burn. It's okay. You know, I ain't in a rush. I'm intentional, though, because I know that I have something to share that can be beneficial to you. And like I heard on David Shands, shout out to David Shands. Social Proof Podcast, he had a guest on, and the guest, uh, last name Fladian or something like that, Michael Fladian, said to him, he said, what's the um, word of wisdom you want to leave? And the guest said, if you have a message and you're not sharing it with people, you don't know what 
you're denying people what that message can do for their life. And it's purely selfish at some point. So be selfless and share the good message that's on your heart and let it land how it lands. Don't own the response. Own the delivery. I thought that was super powerful and apropos, right? No, it was. definitely is. Got a message. Share your message. Don't own how it lands. People can take the message and do whatever they want to with it, but own the delivery. Own the fact that you have to share that message out. It's exactly what I do now. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's what I do. So that's why I say I, I believe that's powerful for me um, mm-hmm. because when I started, you know, once again, this, this financial journey, and as I'm getting mm-hmm. older, some of the stuff that I was thinking in my head was, you know, mm-hmm. when I was working at a job, I realized that, you know, at the age that I was at in retirement, I might not be ready for retirement. And mm-hmm. it might be a burden onto somebody because by the time I'm 60 something years old and I can no longer work or want to work, I might have to go get another part time job and I won't have to provide for my bills. So I'm going to leave my children. Mm-hmm. And then I was introduced to a situation to where it's just like, hey, if something happens to you now or mm-hmm. in the next few years, you can be a blessing to your family instead of a burden. Mm-hmm. And once I started to learn how things work, it's my duty to reach out to as many people as I can. Absolutely. Family members ignoring the message and it's my job yep. to take it personal. Um, strangers, people I don't know, it's the beauty of social media, but it's, it's you got to get out of that fear of rejection because right. I got the message. And if you don't want to hear me, it's your loss. Mm-hmm. It's not a rejection. And this is mm-hmm. what you have to, uh, this is what you have to learn. So when you do have a message, like we basically like two, two, two young ladies, like our last two policies, Mm-hmm. One young lady went from an eighty thousand dollar policy to a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar policy. Meaning, if mm. anything happens to her, her child is darn near a millionaire. Her family yeah. is taken care of. Um, another young lady um, didn't have life insurance, and she was trying to get it. And because mm-hmm. she makes a certain amount of money, she qualified for seven fifty. Right, bro. This is the financial information that they do not give us because why? Right, right. Why? You know, right. so so for. You not to even take two minutes to hear what I got to say, it's not my loss. But yep. it is my job to stay motivated and talk to as many people as I can, regardless of how many doors get shut in my face. Because That's that right. message can move somebody. Mm-hmm. It moves me to say, listen, bro, I, our community, when mm-hmm. guys are out here and you know people are here dying and you, you see the GoFundMes and yeah. you know fathers leaving children or mother leaving. Yeah. I, I got something for you. Yeah. And if you don't Want to take it? Fine. Mm-hmm. So that message was definitely like I heard you loud and clear with that message. He was talking to me. He was talking mm-hmm. to a lot of us. If you have a message, say it. It does not matter how they receive it. That's on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just say it. That's right. Just put it out you there. It you out know. There. And that's um that's a part of the healing educational healing work that we are doing. You know, people don't think and as our community again, you you claim that you don't believe in spirituality and all of that, but you don't want to get a life insurance policy because you think that that's going to put some kind of voodoo on you, some kind of negative, you know, hex if you get if you talk about your death and plan for your death, you think your death gonna happen as soon as the ink is dry. You know that those kind of superstitions. You know, as well as the fact of, well, you know, I, I if I'm dead, I don't have to worry about it. 
but then you leave that debt and the worry and whatever on your family. And that's not, that's again, that's not only deficit mindset, that's poverty, generational poverty creation. You know, the wheel just keeps going. So that's the work that we have to do is to bring people into alignment and help them balance out the mind, body, energy space so that they are receptive to these types of opportunities of taking up a proper life insurance policy. And not only that, furthering, you know, the recipients of those policies, because as you were talking, if somebody passes and they leave $700,000 to somebody who does not have, who's not financially literate, they just left them a whole bunch of ways to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, so the next step then is to make sure as best you can to deliver the message, not you personally, but any of us to deliver the message of financial literacy to the next generation and or putting that kind of money in a trust so that the recipients will get it through a trustee as opposed to having access to $700,000 and they out here buying the block and, you know, giving the money to Lambo and you, you know, it's just people don't have that kind of money. You're going to end up hurting yourself. You're going to end up hurting yourself. Education, education does come. Education definitely needs to be um, finances and education needs to be one. Cause like Mm -hmm. you said, we'll blow 700, we'll we'll blow a million dollars. A house, three hundred. I blink. A car, one fifty. You yep. want three of those? You know, yep. family, friends. A, you get a car. You yeah. get a car. You get. <laughs> yep, yep. No, baby. And you no. know how? And and I, I've seen it. I'm not just picking mm-hmm. on black people, but I've seen black people, rich people go. I don't wear the same T-shirt twice. Like, yeah. People wonder why they go broke. We just do the dumbest things with our money, man. Yeah. Well, that's that is that is dumb. And you like I was saying earlier, you think people who have a lot of economical resources coming in don't have poverty poverty or deficit mindset and that shit you don't wear the same t-shirt twice that is deficit and poverty mindset thinking it is because really what's at the core is an emptiness that you're trying to fill up with material things and that's another reason the mind body energy and balance podcast the chakra healing all of that is aimed at helping you first heal up what the deficit is, bring the mind, the body energy into harmony, and then the wealth that you desire and that you attract, you can manage it. Because wealthy people don't buy clothes like that. Real wealth, I've been very fortunate to be amongst, you know, the top 1%, right? And my client base, they don't buy clothes like that. That's frivolous. They don't have a car note. That's frivolous because that's that is a um, that is not a, a, a value generating asset. They go and buy the car one time, pay it off, no interest, and just drive the car and just make sure that it's serviced res- regularly. Clothing is bought at very high quality and they have that same suit for 50 years. So a lot of wealthy people are very thin and stay lean too. The majority of very wealthy people are not obese and sloppy. They stay very lean. 
they monitor their weight and their diet and their energy and their vitality because that weight, energy, and vitality, that's another currency. That's another form of wealth. And so if I go and buy a $15,000 suit, I only have to buy that suit one time. And I could put a different blouse with it. I can wear the jacket with a different pair of pants one time, unless I gain a whole bunch of weight or unless whatever. And that was, so that's not money going out. That's a one-time expense. And they'll buy that out of their distribution from the trust that was left to them. You get a distribution, you set up how the distribution is uh, disseminated, right? So we have to really take our time, be consistent, bite sizes, but the intention is to teach our Afro-spiritual community the overwhelming value of shaking off the poverty deficit mindset, thinking, living energy that the frequency is aligned with and using the spiritual principles, tools, and connectedness to attract and to steward the financial resources that they want and that we deserve, really. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. All right, so I'm Samut, Mama Yoga. This is this episode. Thank you. Uh, we don't know what we're going to title it, but y'all will get clips and everything and see it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, on join my Instagram regularly. I'll be on talking about breaking down even further some of the tenets of, of each um, episode that we spoke with, um, spoke about. You can go on to my, mind body, uh, my Mama Yoga Wellness uh, Instagram and... Um, Go into my link tree and purchase the Chakra Healing and Balance ebook, uh, or you can get the physical book. I love this physical workbook because in the physical workbook, you have, you know, all kinds, you have all of the information and you have places to journal as well. I don't know if y'all can see that. Anyway, yep, that's the Crown Chakra one. Yep. So, anyway, I love the physical workbook. And so, um, and also keep up with when I have classes and courses and the rest of it. And I thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, Flaw, you have anything you want to share? I do. Before we close, we're good. All right, y'all. Always remember seek to keep your mind, body, energy in balance. And may you walk in peace throughout your life and your journey. Peace and love.